Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am chatting with the always phenomenal stalwart of stages both in New York and around the country, the incomparable Jennifer Cody. In addition to her eight different Broadway shows, including things like Shrek, the most recent revival of The Pajama Game, You're in Town, Susicle, and more, not to mention multiple national tours, Jen Cody is one of the people who is always seemingly working at some major regional theater, whether it's on an out-of-town tryout, a major regional premiere, or just a great production at one of the wonderful theaters across the United States. One of those great shows at a wonderful theater is Riverside Theater's production of Ken Ludwig's A Comedy of Tenors that is running through March 12th, and Jen Cody is one of the stars of that show. She is playing Maria. She is buoyed by an incredible cast, including a number of other Broadway stalwarts. I had the opportunity to see the show on this past Tuesday night, which was opening night, and I'd never seen either a comedy of tenors or Lend Me a Tenor, which is actually the original show, and then a comedy of tenors is a sequel to that show. But Jan has actually been in both, so we talk a little bit about the fact that she has done Lend Me a Tenor in a different role than she is playing in a comedy of tenors, and how she kind of would like to go back and do the other show now that she's had a chance to play this character too. In our conversation, we talk about what it's been like for her to get the opportunity to go and work in theaters around the country after the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. Obviously, that pandemic is still going on. We talk about that, the wonderful cast, and of course, her deep connections to the Florida area because of all the work she's done with Disney, both on stage and, of course, as the voice of Lottie in what is my favorite modern Disney animated musical. No offense to the Lopez's or Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, but that's The Princess and the Frog. We have a great conversation, and I, I hope that if you are in Central Florida, whether that is in Central Florida as in Orlando or, or over on the east side of the state near or around Vero Beach, that you have an opportunity to go see a comedy of tenors at Riverside Theater. We, of course, will have information in the show notes about how you can purchase tickets to see the show. All right. With all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Jennifer Cody. So Jen, I had the absolute delightful pleasure to see the show on opening night back on Tuesday. And I had a a couple hour drive home, so I didn't stay in the lobby for the meet and greet afterwards. But I heard you were effectively swarmed by the high school students <laughs> that were in attendance on on Tuesday night. So um, I'm assuming that that has at least something to do with your long history of shows on Broadway with The Princess and the Frog, probably being that you are in Florida. What was what was that uh, situation like? Have you been mobbed at an opening night party like that very much <laughs> often in, in your in your history? Well, I have to tell you, the funny part was we were um, to get to the lobby. We go through this long hallway and um, they had food set up for the cast uh, back there. And we were, of course, starving. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to grab a handful of cheese and and crackers as we go out. And so I walked out and I had in one hand, I just had just blocks of cheese. And these kids, (laughs) like they were so um, loud. They just swarmed me. And um, I was like, I'm so sorry, but can I just eat this cheese? Because... It was gross. Um, but yeah, it was, I think it was a mix of a couple things. I think um, their teacher had seen me in a lot of things in New York. And so I, I don't know if he gave them like a little 
intro class before they came. Um, but also uh, the princess and the frog character that I play, they all seem to uh, enjoy and want me to say the lines of over and over again. Of course. So, um, yeah, it was, it was so exciting. And um, I always think it's great when young people are so excited about seeing a play, not only um, like just musicals, you know, we tend to have a younger crowd, but plays are, are, you know, a harder thing to have kids follow and stuff. And, and they, they, they loved it. And they were like, we loved it. And it was a play and they were so excited. So um, I think farces help transition students from just seeing musicals to seeing uh, plays and, and hopefully making them like them a little more. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this show as you said, it's it's a farce. It's a comedy. I think even the uh, artistic director came out before the show and said, there's no message here. This is just fun. <laughs> it is a fun show. And it was, uh, you know, I see a lot of theater both in New York and down here in Florida. And I have to tell you, like, partially because of the incredible cast that has been assembled for this production, but it just felt like one of the the most enjoyable evenings that I've had in a theater in a really long time. I know this is a show that you all had planned to do, I guess, what, three years ago now, uh, and then didn't have the opportunity for reasons that I think are very obvious to to anybody listening. But to get the chance to come back and do it with this group, I don't think you had started rehearsals for the 2020 version, had you? Well, no, but we did start rehearsals for the 2022 uh, version. So oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, yeah, we were supposed to be here on, in 2022 around the same time in January. And um, I drove down from New York, got oh, here. Gosh. We checked into the hotel. We showed up for our first day of rehearsal. And um, and the artistic director came in and he said, hey, I'm Alan. I'm the artistic director and your show's canceled. Um, <laughs> so that was, um, but uh, like Ron Bomer, who plays opposite um, me, he hadn't even come down because he had COVID. And I think that was probably a little bit of the decision is that both Ron and our director, uh, Jimmy Brennan, had COVID last in 2022. So, um, so yeah, it was exciting. We all held our breath at the first day of rehearsal this time. We were like, <laughs> are we going to make it past this one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, well, I want to get back to that whole like delays and getting back into to live performances and all that stuff. But just talking about this cast, I mean, you are not the only Broadway stalwart that a lot of people will probably know from this cast, but just an absolutely in, incredible group uh, of performers that really seems to just thrive in this Ken Ludwig show where it <laughs> is not only a farce, but I mean, it like is the the span of emotions that you all go through in such a funny way. It, it seems like this group is just tailor made for this type of material. Uh, well, you know, a lot of the people in this group, because four of the seven of us actually have to sing in the show um, as mm -hmm. opera singers, it, uh, I think that all seven of us have uh, musical theater backgrounds. And I think that, you know, those help in a farce because a farce just has a rhythm and a pace that um, you kind of have to hear like music. Um, and so I think that it always helps in a farce when people have some kind of musicality. Um, because if you can all hear the same rhythm, then the show tends to, to flow. And, um, I think that because this also has singing in it, it tended to, um, they cast it with people who all had that, that musicality. Um, but this cast, I have worked with, um, uh, uh, Sue Chella and I've worked with, um, Ray DeMattis before. So it was nice. And because we'd all come together last year for a brief moment, 
um, it felt like we had all performed together before in a weird way. Um, so yeah, I think that helps a lot. It, it definitely, uh, helped us become one on stage quicker than I think it would have had we not known each other. Or I mean, it's a very physical comedy, so there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of embracing and kissing and, you know, we had to get, usually there's a, a period where you're like, I can't, is this, this is awkward. And we just skipped that period. It just went really quick into just getting the show up. So it was good. And I, you know, I, I've, I've talked with a lot of people about this over the years that like, it's kind of similar to what you're talking about, the musical theater connections to farce, but like you see a lot of people both with musical theater background, but also like Shakespearean background doing like these big superhero roles on TV and movies. I would imagine that it's kind of the same thing. You have to be able to do these over the top kind of ridiculous things in like a musical where you just start singing and dancing out of nowhere or in Shakespeare where you're speaking this elevated non-realistic language, at least for our modern times and like yeah. translating it to these other forms. Uh, I'd imagine like just having that background, not only with the lyricalness and kind of the, the fluidity of movement that you have to have in a farce, but also just kind of like the over the top ridiculous characters that we see a little bit more often in musicals really makes sense for this show. And especially like any Ken Ludwig farce, which you have experience doing other ones, including lend me a tenor before as well. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's funny. Um, the age range in this play is, is very different. We have four characters that are um, older and then we have three younger characters. And, um, and it's, it's interesting because I think this kind of over the top, um, uh, acting I, I hate to say over the top because yeah. I, I think there is you have to be able to be broad but be realistic and basic in reality I think that's the the key to making it successful but there's a confidence I think that comes along with I've been doing this a long time I have the confidence to walk out on that stage and be huge and not be afraid of it um and I, I think that's also why Shakespearean actors are good at this musical theater because you just you have to be willing to be strong and loud and big and know that the audience is going to either embrace you or they're going to be like, that's crazy, but we still love you. So, um, yeah. It, so I think that be, having age also helps a little bit because um, I, I think I've had the opportunity to just be this big on stage a lot. Um, and it's fun to watch the younger uh, members of the cast, hopefully, get some of that confidence even in the rehearsal process i've seen them grow to be willing to be big and not be embarrassed by it so that that's yeah. been great to watch yeah and you, you talked a little bit about kind of like the the weirdness of covid and coming back to this show after trying to do it last year you and and your husband Hunter work a lot in regional theater, whether that's out of town tryouts. I know you've done a ton of stuff at, at, at is it Jiva uh, up in in your neck of the woods in in northern New York and yeah, in yeah. Bucks County. As you are kind of seeing, not that we're out of the pandemic, but kind of the transition away from having all of these constant shows being canceled or closed or runs ended and all of that stuff. Have you noticed a, a difference in how regional theater stuff? has kind of a, adapted from how it was either during the pandemic when it was at the height or pre-pandemic, obviously in terms of like the 
the, the, the pandemic related health concerns. But then also during that time period, we had a lot of issues come up um, about the, you know, equality and and uh, and, and how shows and, and productions and companies were managed. Have you seen a lot of changes in all of your work around the country from pre-COVID to, I guess, on the latter end of during COVID? Yeah. Um, you know, the first show that I did, uh, I, I, I want to say the pandemic, but that's not true. The first show that yeah. we could do coming back, I was in Maine. I did a sh- I did spam a lot at a banquet, and um, it was wild because that we were performing not in the theater because the theater was still um, unavailable right. to us. They had built a huge tent, and we were doing theater outside um, where the audience was still six feet apart from each other in these little pods, um, and I I remember during the curtain call catching my uh, just sobbing just completely caught off guard of how affected I had been not performing for two years. Um, And then going from different state to state has also been very interesting. Um, I performed last year at the Jupiter theater in um, Jupiter, Florida. And they, I I was joking. I was like, Hey, you guys know we had a pandemic (laughs) because it felt, it felt completely different that, um, nobody, you know, we were having kind of um, theater interactions with the patrons and it was like that it hadn't existed and it was gone. But then coming from Ohio, I mean, uh, Connecticut, where the audience were all still masked, like it's just it's been very tricky um, figuring out because while the audience um, seems to have all been past it, we still are not allowed to perform if we have COVID. We still, here, um, we've just passed the mandate. I don't think we get tested anymore, but yeah, it's it's been tricky. Uh, and trying to explain to a lot of the theaters just how different it is for us because we aren't allowed to perform. We, we will not have a job. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a weird learning process. Every time we go to a different space or a different state, realizing what, how they are going to handle it or not handle it. Or, you know, it's, it's just been, it's not been the same <laughs> from show to show. And you, you talked about the emotions of, of doing spam a lot up in Algonquit and what that was like for the first time. Has that kind of, has the, that period of two years where you weren't able to get up on stage and do this thing that you've been doing, you know, for your, your professional, you know, entire professional life. Has that changed how you approach this either, it can be taken away. So I need to go out and do more. Or has it been like, okay, well, this is kind of scary. I want to limit the things that I want to do or be more selective. Has it kind of changed your approach to how you look at shows and jobs and gigs and all of that stuff? Uh, well, I'd love to work. I love it so much. And, um, uh, I'm a bit of a workaholic, so I, it hasn't changed me wanting to do shows everywhere. Um, but it, it makes me, um, you know, at first when we were coming back, I was like, I have to get health insurance, right? right? Because our right. our health insurance is based on our work weeks. And that was like a big deal, especially knowing, well, I could get sick and I need health weeks and I need to, you know, so that was a part of it. <laughs> but I think um, for me, I, it, it was nice to be reminded um, of how much, how special this is that we get to do this. And um, 
I used to get reminded, you know, I'd complain like, oh, we've got eight shows this week. Um, and then I'd see someone young who had just gotten their like their Broadway debut and how joyful they were. And I'm like, oh, I have to be reminded. Like, this is re- we're really lucky to do what we do. And now I think I have that every show um, because I, it was such a, a long, dry two years that um, I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled when I get to go out and bow and I'm like, oh, I'm the luckiest person in the world. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it I, I think as theater, uh, you know, goers and theater lovers, we appreciated. OK, it's back. We can go see shows. But I think it's very difficult for us to to comprehend what the tolls of that two years or year and a half or three years and still ongoing for some people who haven't been able to get back to work um, really takes on on the people who make theater and and put up the shows that we love going and seeing. So hearing that it affected you and kind of changed your outlook uh, really kind of puts a lot of that into perspective. Um, so and I, if what, you think about it, like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 I was going to say on the economic level, like because of COVID, a lot of these theaters have lost a lot of money. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the shows are smaller. So they aren't doing, like, or at least last year, they didn't know 42nd Street. They were doing two-handers where it's just two people on stage or four people on stage. And so the amount of people able to work got very much, you know, a lot smaller. Um, so now I think it's starting to open up again. So I'm thankful because, yeah, you, you said a lot of people aren't back to work yet. And uh, it's really, it's really hard. I have a lot of friends who are just like, oh, we're so lucky that you're, that you're working and uh, yeah. So hopefully we'll continue to have these theaters come back and, and do bigger shows and employ more people. So Yeah. You mentioned uh, 42nd street. That is the next show, uh, or at least I think the next show uh, main stage show that Riverside is doing, or at least it's in the season. Uh, they're getting ready to do that. That is obviously a very big um, show with a very large cast and knowing what Riverside does and how much uh, it puts into their productions. I have no doubt that that will be a really, really fun one, but this one is, you know, it is a play, but it does have a a decent seven person cast in there in terms of size, but it really is, as we talked about before, like just an embarrassment of riches in terms of, of this company. What is it like to play with these folks throughout the course of the two hours uh, of the show or whatever it is, because for the most part, I think you pretty much get to, to really, you know, I don't know, go back and forth or, or kind of lock horns or battle with just about everybody in the cast at some point. Um, and it's just kind of fun to see all the different iterations of who's interacting with who. And in some cases, which character is, is interacting with who, depending on uh, who Ron is playing at the time. But uh, it just seems like it's it's a lot of fun for us to watch. And I know it's kind of a cliche to be like, oh, you're seems like you're having a lot of fun up there. But it really does seem like you're having a lot of fun up there. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I had done you had mentioned I had done Lemmy and Tanner uh, probably like 15 years ago um, as Maggie, as the young girl. And um, uh, the actress who was playing the character Maria at the time I remember just watching going like, oh, God, I just love that character. Like, she's just a fireball. And um, and then getting to actually play the character now. I would love to go back and do it and lend me a tenor um, now that I've gotten to yeah. to do um, this show. But um, I, lo- I love her because every time she comes on stage, it's um, no matter who she's in, like having an interaction with, she just ends up getting either angry or impassioned and then storming out. I storm out so many times. 
Um, and they, they always laugh. They're like, Oh God, Jen's going to slam the door and the set's going to like shake back and forth. Um, but uh, yeah, I love it. And I think that there's a, like, let me attend the mistaken identity isn't just with one person. Like there's a whole, whole community of it, a mistaken identity. And so it's fun to be a part of that because it's almost acting on two different levels because you're acting as honestly as you can so that the person can actually think you're meaning something else, but finding a way to do it so that the audience knows you're not that like, it's, it's just, it's a, it's more difficult than I think it probably comes across um, on stage. So I love it. I always say it's like math. I feel like um, (laughs) Ken Ludwig's plays are like a little bit like math. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, cause you have to, you know, you have to do the the business of what the character is thinking, but also you have to make sure that the audience understands where that humor is and why it's ludicrous and ridiculous that all of these, you know, confusions are happening because of what is something fairly innocuous or fairly innocent turns out to be a major big deal. And I do have to, you mentioned all of your slamming of doors. I have to give uh, the scenic designer, Michael, a lot of credit because oftentimes when I see sh- uh, shows, actually, and on TV as well, you know, they they slam a door and it's like, that's not a real door. Like, that's just on a flat. <laughs> this feels, all of these doors feel sturdy enough that you're like, oh, yeah, this really is at a luxury penthouse in Paris. Um, they really do take a beating and, and keep on going. So congratulations to both yeah. him for that design and for you for giving those doors a healthy slam as you walk out. But um, uh, but that's a that's a big deal. We had one rehearsal, the first rehearsal. I don't think we were even on the set yet. I think we just came out to walk around and we shut a door and something like wobbled and they're like, okay. And so then they went back and there's just a lot of um, like metal things and wood braces and stuff that they've put up now so that the set doesn't move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to in this one. Otherwise it'll all fall down by the middle of act two. So, um, well, I, um, I, I, Love the show, but I do want to talk about some other things, uh, if you don't mind. One show that you did uh, out of town, I think in two places, uh, in I believe in Texas and then in Seattle, is the Griswold's Broadway Vacation. And I love David Rossmer and Steve Rosen from um, from their previous shows and, and, their, and all of the stuff that they've done there. So I am fascinated that this got turned into a musical at all. But if, if anyone is going to do it, I think those are the guys to to do it um i know that it i think the last time you did it was in the fall is there any word on when we might see this again anything that you can hint or share about the future of this project you know i wish there were it's been the weirdest experience um we actually we have done i think we did like four workshops now we did a couple workshops Mm -hmm. before we went to seattle and then um, we did it in Seattle. We did not go to Texas. Okay. It was supposed um, to, but it didn't, we right? We were supposed to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we came back and did another workshop in New York after that. Um, and it, I've done a lot of out-of-towns. And it was the first one that I was like, so what? what's happening? <laughs> um, and at the time, I think the producer, uh, Ken Davenport, was beginning his um, uh, Neil Diamond show. Um, yeah. So I think that his focus is there right now. But um, I wish I could tell you that I knew what was happening. I do not. I have no information to share. Okay. All right. Um, I'll let you off the hook on was, that one. Ah, thank you. It was, um, it was a lot of fun. The cast, again, is just amazing. Um, and I hope it has a future because it, it, it was a really funny show. Yeah. I, I obviously 
everybody loves the the vacation movies and to see a musical version especially like you said with that cast and with uh david and steve writing it i'm i'm just fascinated by it and, and wish i lived closer to seattle to have had the opportunity to see it but we'll definitely see it again wherever that might be because i, I that's one i don't want to miss um but you Keep mentioned fingers the f- crossed <laughs> fingers are crossed toes are crossed everything and i know uh, kate had a baby recently so maybe the, giving her a little bit time to recuperate before uh before the next version is is in the cards as well so we will definitely see what happens there um but but coming back to um a comedy of tenors and kind of wrapping up here, I'll, I'll let you go on, on this question. You talked about the fact that you have been down in this part of the country, you know, recently with Maltz Jupiter and, and coming back, um, to, to Riverside, which is a place you've done shows before. I think you did Boeing, Boeing a, a number of years ago, uh, at yeah. Riverside. Now that you are back down here in Florida, obviously, whether or not you are an official Disney legend, obviously, judging by (laughs) everything that the high school kids uh, gave you on Tuesday night, like you're a Disney legend, whether it's it's been bestowed upon you or not. Um, Are there are are there things when you are down here in Florida that you look forward to doing? Do you come over to Orlando to to hit the parks? Um, What what do you do during your downtime? In between shows, obviously, it is a very physical social. I'm sure you're resting. But other than that, what are you doing during uh, during your time down there in Vero? Uh, well, don't think that I have not been to Disney both times now on my drive down here. I always <laughs> okay. stop at Disney and spend some days there. Um, I love Disney. I actually have been a Disney person for a long time. I, I worked at Disney World when I was 19, I think. Oh, amazing. Um, and and then I, I I did like the Hercules uh, TV thing that they did. I did a uh, 101 Dalmatians show at Radio City. I did Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Um, I feel like, and I've done a few cartoons for them. I feel like I'm just, if I just could work for Disney for the rest of my life, I would. Um, <laughs> but Princess and the Frog was, you know, life-changing. Because yeah. who doesn't grow up, I don't care who you are, wanting to be a Disney character. Like we all grew up watching the movies and watching, um, I grew up watching on Sunday nights, the wonderful world of Disney. Like that was my youth. So, um, yeah, I always have to pinch myself a little bit. And cause it's it's like, I always say, I don't, my legend is not going to be, I don't have children. And, um, my legend isn't going to be like, I don't know, curing cancer. But um, I will always have that. Like, I will always have someone going like, I wonder whose voice that is. So it's been a thrill. And uh, I went on the way down here. I stopped and got to ride the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride. And I'm, I, if anyone takes anything away from this, get to Disney World and ride that ride. It is, it is the best ride I've ever been on. And um Okay. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to go one day on a day off just to ride the ride again. Yeah. Well, I I, yeah. I have a feeling they can probably uh, find a way to get you in, too. And obviously, they are <laughs> reimagining Splash Mountain as Tiana's Bayou Adventure coming next year. So you're going to have to come down and go through that whole ride whenever uh, that is up and running as well. So my my dream is that if they keep the, the flume that was on um, the original ride, yeah. I just want my character just to be able to do one squeal <laughs> as people come down. That's my dream. Fingers I, crossed for that too. They have to, I mean, and they do all the, the theming and everything and like the wait to get up there. So they have to bring her back to do 
some little bit uh, during that process as people are waiting. Like, I, I feel like that would I be almost so. criminal <laughs> if they didn't. It would, it would be a, a big mistake for them uh, if Charlotte didn't have an opportunity to, uh, to, to appear in that whole process. I hope so. One squeak. I just want one squeak. <laughs> I, I think that that's fair. I think they owe you that at this point for all of your years dedicated <laughs> to Disney as both a fan and a performer. They, they owe you that. Well, Jen, thank you so much for chatting about this. I loved the show and I'm so excited that people are going to have the opportunity to see it here for the next few weeks in Vero Beach. And it's uh, uh, it's been lovely to talk to you and, and I hope you have a fantastic run. And then wherever you wind up on stage next, uh, I know that those audiences will have a uh, be in for a treat as well. Thank you so much. 